Hello. 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 Hello, my name is Matthew West, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. Hello. Guys, I want to tell you about my friends Simply Earth. These friends of mine are doing incredible things, not just to make the air in your home toxin-free and help you detoxify your life, but they're also making a difference all around the world. More on that in just a second. I used to be kind of intimidated by essential oils, not even really sure how to do it. Then I discovered Simply Earth, all right? I would I would spend this money and then I would just kind of like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I'm confused, all right? But this is the solution. Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box to the rescue. They help you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. You receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. You learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by certified aromatherapists. You save money, you detoxify your life, and here's my favorite part. I'm going to get essential oils somehow, but I'd rather get them from a company who's on a mission to change the world, and Simply Earth is doing just that. They give 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. Did you hear that? 13% of all profits go to end human trafficking around the world. That's a cause I want to get behind, and I know you do too. Simply Earth is like a meal subscription kit, but it's more fun and it's less edible. I got to make fun products that will detoxify my home while also learning safe ways to use my essential oils. The best part, these oils don't break my budget. I can buy from a company that changes the world. Simply Earth is giving 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. So I want to encourage you to detoxify your home, but also do something to help end human trafficking. Uh, you can start right now with Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box. Plus, get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe today using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. That's simplyearth.com. You're going to get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. These guys are changing the world. Let's do it with them. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thanks for joining me today. This is going to be a fun show today. I'm talking with a friend of mine who I've gotten to know over the years who's got a really powerful story and a really powerful, like just a really interesting career too. But uh, more on that in just a minute. First, did you hear the announcement? Can you hear my smile right now? Is that a thing? Can you hear my smile? I'm smiling right now because I just announced my first ever headlining show at the famous, not just famous, like infamous, <laughs> like the Three Amigos, the Ryman Auditorium, Nashville, Tennessee, August 21st. Now they call the Ryman Auditorium the Mother Church of Country Music. So we're calling this a night of worship at the Mother Church, get it? With some special guests, it's gonna be so special. We've had a planning meeting and this is gonna be a concert like no other concert I've ever done before. So go to matthewwest.com to get your tickets right now. Even if you live out of town and you've always wanted to come to Nashville, guys, don't miss this. It is gonna be 
amazing. I can't wait to have this special night of worship together and uh, want you to come and join me. So go to MatthewWest.com, a night of worship at the Mother Church, my first ever show at the Ryman Auditorium. Feels like personal history in the making. <laughs> well, I'm getting some uh, little family vacation time in, which I'm very excited about. We've got some concerts actually throughout the summer as well, so you can find out where we're going to be performing uh, coming up, I'm going to be in uh, Phoenix, Arizona for a festival called Elevate and going to be traveling around. So MatthewWest.com for all the uh, other concert information. But guys, the Ryman, August 21st. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Listen, I am so excited to get into today's show. My guest was, he's an Emmy winner, Emmy winning producer. That's easy to say. He spent 17 years at ESPN. Uh, he's kind of a sports junkie like I am. This guy has a powerful testimony though, and he's got a great book called Live to Forgive. And he's the host of a popular podcast called Sports Spectrum that kind of is the crossroads where sports meets faith, which is really cool as well. I think you're really going to get a lot out of today's conversation and uh, I think it's going to touch your heart. So let's go to the story house with my friend, Jason Romano. Can we start this interview by talking about my biggest regret in life? Yeah, I want to hear it. Is that too deep to start? No, I think it's a great place to start. My biggest regret, not my biggest, but one of my top 10, and I'm choosing the term top 10 for a specific reason, is because I got a message from this guy on Instagram, I think it was, and said, hey, I work at ESPN. I see you're coming to do a show nearby. I would love to take you on a tour of ESPN headquarters. And I was unable to accept jason romano's invitation and that's one of my biggest regrets i i missed out didn't i would that would have been a cool day you missed out yeah i remember it was like you wanted to we were close we actually might have even had a possible yes and then you know you're on tour and things get crazy and schedules change but yeah it would have been a good time i mean i, I it's something i wanted to do when i was still there at espn was i just i know a lot of people love espn and would love to have seen the headquarters and it's you know i had been there probably at least a decade at that point and so yeah i was yeah, a big you, fan of your you music there. i was like come on matthew come on over well that was very kind of you to invite me and if you have any other cool things you want to invite me to i promise i will i will not say no again but uh, 17 years you were at espn and uh emmy winning gentleman i'm talking to today right yes sir i got one now, you didn't win an emmy for being a gentleman but you want to tell everybody what you want an emmy for. well this is a great story because uh i actually use this as a sermon illustration with teens at my church because i worked in 2004 on a show called outside the lines on espn yes. uh still around very great big show. show yeah bob lee was the kind of founding host and the legend who's not there anymore he retired but uh he's the one that kind of pioneered this idea of talking about uh sports but not the games it was the stories outside the lines thus the name and the title of the show and so i was working on that show it was the first show i was working on from the television side i had a three-year radio career at espn and then moved over to the television side and that year i had probably booked i don't know hundreds of guests as a talent producer on outside the lines but then there's this other show called Sports Center. You might have heard of it. And Sports <laughs> Center grew up on it. That's right. And at the time, myself and another gal named Melissa were the two talent producers at ESPN. There's only two of us booking all of the guests. 
The whole show. Wow. The whole the whole network of the whole TV. Network. Yeah, of TV shows. There was two of us. That's crazy. Melissa worked on Sports Center primarily. I worked on Outside the Lines. Well, in 2005, as the sports Emmys were about to happen, I got an email. It was like kind of this mass email of 40 of us, and it said, uh, "Congratulations, your show Sports Center has been nominated for an Emmy." You are invited to attend the Emmy Awards, the Sports Emmy Awards in New York City. And I thought, why is my name on this list? I only booked maybe five or six guests the entire year on SportsCenter because my primary job was outside the lines. Oh. Melissa had worked primarily on SportsCenter. But apparently when they put the names down and they have the list of people that worked on the show, there were only two talent producers and they put us both down. Nice. And actually, they didn't even put talent nice. producer. They just put producers, Melissa Jacobs, awesome. Jason Romano. And so then I kind of found out that we won and didn't think anything of it. I'm like, this is great. Six months later, I get this email. Hey, come on downstairs. And I'm thinking I'm in trouble. And the coordinating producer says, come on in here. And he hands me this Emmy that you can probably see over my, my right shoulder. And he says, congratulations. And I said, thank you so much. And I look at it and it says, you know, Sports Center 2004 Emmy Award winner for Best Studio Show Daily, producer Jason Romano. So my name wow. is actually on the Emmy. And I thought, I did nothing to deserve this because, <laughs> <laughs> because I worked on Outside the Lines, but here I am. I'm not, I'm not giving it back. I got an Emmy. Yeah. But what a great sermon illustration, right? We don't have to do <laughs> anything to deserve. Oh, man. You know, God's love. He just, we, you know, we just accept it and we can't yeah. you know, earn our love. It was just such a great illustration for the kids. That's beautiful. But uh, yeah, I got an Emmy and I'm not giving it back, Matthew. I love it, man. And I did, I did. I saw it peeking over your shoulder there and I've had to ask the question. I thought today we could talk about the three F's given who my guest is, faith, forgiveness, and football. <laughs> now, now, if we only get to the first two, I'm fine with that. But I had to throw in a sports one because of your sports background. And let's start with sports then because obviously, so you worked at ESPN for many years. Now you're the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. You have a passion for sports, right? You don't get into that field and hate athletics, right? Talk about your love for sports. Yeah, it was all I cared about. You know, I, I didn't become a follower of Christ until I was 20. Seven, 28 years old. So before that, if you were to ask me who God was, I would have said Larry Bird or, <laughs> you know, Daryl Strawberry or somebody like that. Like to me, yeah. sports was my God. That's all I yeah. cared about. So as a kid, um, you know, I gravitated toward that very quickly. My grandfather loved sports. My dad, who even though I had a, a tough relationship with, the one thing we found common ground on was sports. And so that's all I cared about. That's all I uh, I watched, I, I mean, I was a nerd, math. I still am, but not as bad as I was when I was 12, we'll say. I mean, I had, you know, a fight every single morning when I woke up with my brothers for the sports page newspaper because yeah. there was no internet when I was a kid growing up. I'm in my late 40s. So it was, what happened last night? I got I to gotta read this sports page. And I would comb the sports page, cover to cover, just reading box scores, reading yeah. the stories. Uh, I would have notebooks of stats that I kept. Uh, I remember wow. when I was in high school, Daryl Strawberry, as I mentioned, you know, sort of got, he was my favorite baseball player. Did you grow up in New York? Grew up in upstate New York. Yeah, in Albany, okay, New York. Okay, so yeah. were the Mets your team then? Yeah, yeah. From the time I was probably nine, when Daryl Strawberry wow. came, came up to the Mets. Baseball was my first love as far as a sport to play. Played Little League, loved playing. Yeah, and then- you and me both. Yeah, I mean, those were some great times. And- 
Uh, and then Daryl Strawberry, you know, got called up by the Mets and that became my baseball team since I was yeah. nine. And so I would keep stats. I mean, I just entrenched myself in everything that he was doing. And as the Mets in 1986, I'm, I'm 13 years old. I mean, that's about as influential uh, was a time for a young here. man. Right? Oh so yeah, the 86 Mets was my team. And uh, yeah, I mean, sport, my, I, I could go on and on, but you can clearly see where it came from. My former favorite player who played for the Cubbies when I was a little kid was then playing, he was on his last legs as a first baseman for the Boston Red Sox. Bill Buckner. Mr. Buckner. And uh, mm. he's the reason why your Mets won the series that year, wasn't he? He's it? not the only reason. You know, there's, I know, a, there's but... some other reason, but he, he unfortunately uh, takes the blame, you know, it's... if he just fielded a ground ball. Here's, here's an interesting stat, Matthew. What people don't yeah. remember about that was the game was already tied when the ball went through Buckner's legs. This is true. So he didn't necessarily lose it. It was yeah. the wild pitch before and the three yes, hits and, and right. all of that. Unfortunately, he became uh, the goat and, and not the goat in the way the kids talk about yeah. goat today. <laughs> the, the the other kind. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. That's another spiritual illustration of like, it's never just one thing. As my friend Mark Hall sings about, it's a slow fade. It's a series of events that can lead us to uh, drifting in our faith. Look at us. Just a couple of wow. sports That's going to be my next sermon, I think. I'm going to use the 86 <laughs> Mets and Bill Buckner in my sermon. You should. <laughs> you should. Okay, favorite athlete that you got to have an encounter with? Oh, to have an encounter with. So yeah, the like easy answer is probably whatever. The easy answer is probably Daryl Strawberry, just because because of your childhood. Yeah, and as a kid, yeah. and, and just imagine meeting your hero, spending a whole day with him, and yeah. then becoming friends with him. Daryl wrote the forward wow. to my first book. He endorsed my second. That's just crazy. The forgiveness book? Yeah, Live to Forgive. Daryl Strawberry wrote the forward. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so and, like, he, and he got saved and a strong Christian. And that's exactly right. He's a traveling evangelist now. Like, think about that. The baseball player that everybody watched as, you know, in the 80s and 90s is now traveling Powerful. the country and preaching the gospel. He's on fire for Jesus. It's So is he your favorite? He is. I mean, I met yeah. Emmett Smith. I, I got to meet a lot of my heroes. Emmett Smith, the Cowboys yeah. fan growing up, uh, Tony Dorsett. So guys oh. like that, those are the ones that stand out because they are yeah. they take you back to eight years old or 10 years yeah. old, you know? I did a fundraiser for the great Albert Pujols for his Pujols Family Foundation. And uh, I was like a kid in a candy shop that night because it was all these baseball players past and present that were at this event right and i got to meet lou brock and but daryl strawberry was there and i got to shake his hand I'm like, oh it's so cool he was a sight to see but his swing and like he was just this tall lanky like just looked like a natural born athlete and then he always he had that like was it chewing gum or chewing tobacco that was always just a big mound on the side it of was one mouth. of those two i don't know which one yeah maybe <laughs> Probably a combination sometimes. of both i don't know yeah exactly I forgot there was actually four F's we were going to talk about faith, forgiveness, football, and fatherhood. Mm. So can we talk about where you're at as a father right now? Because I think even that will lead to the other F's that we're going to discuss before the end of our time together. But you were texting with me earlier today as we were preparing for today's interview. Paint a picture for the stage of life you're in as a dad. This is a fascinating stage. It's the stage you kind of think about but you don't think it ever gets there, and then it's here. So my daughter is 18. She graduates high school, uh, or has graduated high school, and is getting ready to go away to college. And we live in Connecticut. She's going to a small Christian school, Indiana Wesleyan, out in mm. Marion, Indiana, 12 hours away from here. And there's this season of life right now as we're getting ready to, to send her off to college, 
and just watched her graduate. And it's, you know, all of these emotions, Matthew, right? I, I've never experienced sadness, joy, happiness, mm. uh, almost like a mourning period, but an excitement, just so many, you know, pride, just so many different emotions all wrapped up at one time. I'm trying to think about a time in my life when I've had that, and I, I really haven't, where you're absolutely, you know, head over heels excited for your daughter and what she's accomplished, but at the same time, so sad <laughs> that, you know, that little girl isn't that little girl anymore, mourning the fact that she's going to be out of the house soon. Oh. It's just uh, a weird range of emotions. <laughs> Are we going to be two dudes crying on a podcast in here? <laughs> is, is that what you're trying to make happen right Don't now? Don't make me cry, Matthew West. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's like from outside the lines. That's how that... It's like Tom Rinaldi sitting down and interviewing us. <laughs> We're going to both start bawling. But it is that, mo uh, that's that emotion. I mean, you know, you have girls and it's just this uh, amazing yeah. connection with your daughter. But at the same time you're doing the best you can to raise them properly. And I'm so glad she loves the Lord and wanted to go to a Christian school and wanted to, you know, grow in her, her spiritual life and not just become a teacher like she wants to do. But there's this whole sort of 18 years. I heard somebody say once, you know, our children are, are who God has placed on loan to us. You know, God mm -hmm. has loaned our children to us for 18 years or how many years or whatever. And then we just kind of yeah. send them out and then God has them. And we all know this because we've gone through it ourselves. But when we have our own kids, it's just a different experience. Yeah. What has being a father taught you about your relationship with the Lord? So much. Uh, I love that question. See, my daughter, I could go back to 2001 when I got saved. And we'll talk about that probably, you know, maybe towards yeah. the end. But we always wanted, after my wife and I got married, to have children. And we went through four, four plus years of infertility. And that was really, really hard. Um, you know, Sarah's our only daughter, our only child. So, uh, you know, going through four years of infertility, finally getting pregnant, having our daughter, it's all I really ever wanted to do outside of the sports kind of kid dream stuff was to be a dad because I didn't have a great dad. And then I became a follower of Christ had my daughter, and I've never seen a more perfect picture of the father's love for us than the way that I love my daughter. And obviously, that does the father's love for me, God's love for me does not compare to the love that I have for my yeah. daughter. And I think about that love that I have for her, and I, I'm like, how can anything be greater than that? And then you just dive into scripture, and you start this relationship with the Lord, and you realize, my gosh, he loves me so much, you know, that he sent his son to die for me on a cross. And it's everything, right? I mean, I've, I once gave a sermon and a speech about the perfect father, and I didn't have that, you know, growing up. And I know that I'm not that to my daughter, even though I tried to do a lot of the things that my dad did not do for me, for my daughter. But then I look at who God is and, and his love for us and, and, you know, who Jesus is. And I think, my goodness, there's no more greater love or perfect love than his. And it's changed everything in how I live my life as a follower of Christ, how I live my life as a dad um, to my daughter. So many people who have a strained relationship with their father or uh, a broken one or uh, where they feel like maybe they didn't have the earthly father they wanted, it affects their view of their heavenly father. It's, you know, because we're human and it's it's hard to... Um, separate the two or, or to understand or make sense of those things. You've got a great book called Live to Forgive, and it talks about your journey 
with your dad. And, and we might as well just dive into that because one of the things that really struck me that you just shared is something that I can relate to in the way that I've watched my wife live, that she's had strained relationships with her mom and dad, but she approaches motherhood in a way of like, there's, I'm not going to repeat the same things that, that happened to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm almost like her determination to go against history is almost, well, it's super inspiring, but it's, I guess I always felt like I have mom and dad that I loved and there was so much more that I'd care to repeat than ignore. And she comes from a different place and sounds like you do as well. And there's something about that level of determination coming from that place that, I don't know, it's just inspiring to me. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about your journey with your dad and, and how it's made you who you are today. You know, what your wife has gone through, I kind of call it breaking the chain, right? Like the chain of yeah. addiction and the chain of a broken, strained relationship with my dad. That was, that was my desire, yeah. To see my daughter and I have a relationship that my dad and I could never have. And honestly, part of that was just being available, never having her see some of the things that I had to see or hear, you know, from my father. You know, as a kid, I grew up and like I said, sports was the, the great connector, if you will, with me and my dad. You know, and at six, seven, eight years old, he would take me to the bar and we'd watch sports and, you know, give me a quarter and a soda and have me go play pinball. But yet he was up at the bar, you know, drinking and getting wasted and, and the things that weren't really healthy at probably, you know, that stage of his life. But I was six or seven. I didn't know any any better. Mm. But then as we got older, you know, that's where I started to see that this wasn't, you know, healthy. And, you know, my mom and dad divorced when I was five or six years old, just right before my sixth birthday. And I really have no memory of my parents being together uh, as mom and dad. You know, the, the earliest memories I can remember are really them divorced and me going to see my dad on the weekends and be with my mom during the week, obviously. And my mom is great. Like I have an amazing relationship with her. And, you know, she, really she was my hero growing up when I looked at how strong she was raising three boys, uh, me and my two brothers and keeping us on the straight and narrow and allowing us to achieve and go after our dreams in the midst of a father who was just throwing his life away with alcohol. And you know, the relationship was strained, Matthew. Uh, you know, as I got older and older and, you know, talk about my daughter graduating high school, you know, it started with when I graduated high school. And it was right before that when my dad entered into a rehab to try and get sober for the first time in his life. And he missed my high school graduation because of that. And that really, there's something to be commended about a man who continued to go into rehabs because he really was trying to get sober. Mm. He just couldn't kick it. And unfortunately, when he was inebriated and drunk, he would say really terrible things about myself, my brothers, my mom, really his entire family. And it led him down a really bad path. And it was unfortunate. It was bad. He lost his job. He was a teacher for years and years. I showed up, you know, drunk one day at the school. And as I got older, as I started to, you know, go into college and realized that I wanted to go into this broadcasting thing, I also realized I needed to separate myself a little bit from my dad. I didn't isolate him and say, I'm never talking to you again. I don't ever want to see you again. It wasn't anything like that, although I felt that. It was most of the time, it, it was just, I'd rather just you stay over there and I'll stay yeah. over here, trying to create these boundaries, right? Sure. And uh, as we got older, you know, he kept trying. He really did. And I would allow him back into my life when he was sober. 
Um, when we had moments to gather with my grandparents, you know, my dad's parents and with my brother and, you know, my brother was the first in our family to become a Christian and the first in our family to have kids. And so we wanted to include our dad in that family dynamic just because he missed out on so much with us, but he just could not stop drinking. And eventually later in life, as he got into his late fifties, depression kicked in as well. And, you know, mental illness and alcoholism, when you combine those two, it's, it's really bad. And uh, as I got older, though, I really just, I felt bad for him. Obviously, I, I prayed for him a lot. My prayer was always that my dad would just get sober. Um, even after I became a Christian, I really didn't have this prayer or this mindset to see my dad get saved or to see my dad become a follower of Christ. It was really just for him to get sober. Okay. And uh, it hit its lowest point in 2013, almost 10 years ago, when I got a call from a, uh, a nurse at a hospital saying that my dad was in the, in the uh, psych ward, B3, I think unit is what it was called at Albany Medical Center, because he had tried to end his life. And thankfully, he wasn't successful, but that's where they send you when that happens. They send you in the psych ward, and my dad was at his lowest point. But that was the moment when I finally started to forgive him and, uh, and realize I had carried a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of the things that you talk about in your song. That was me for many years. You talk in the book about how the only true route or path to freedom and peace is through forgiveness. And uh, of course, you're talking about your journey of learning to forgive your dad. I think it's interesting to me that your common prayer for him it's like before you could even see the possibility of him coming to know Jesus, you just wanted, like your heart was for your dad to get healthy and be okay. Like even then you were putting like his needs above your own, like a statement of that. You know what I mean? Because I think our instincts could always be like, I want the dad. I, I deserve to have this. And, and you do, you know, no kid deserves to be in a situation like that. But talk about while he was in the psych ward, that was when you were making the decision to forgive. It's not always easy because you're telling me you made the choice to forgive before he made the choice to change. I did. And it all happened around the same time, right? It happened at this time when my dad hit his lowest point. It was funny because I, I know you know Bart Millard really well, and I know Bart pretty well. And that movie came out recently, I can only imagine. And there's this point in that movie where Bart's looking over at his father and his father says to him, you know, do you think God could ever forgive me? And Bart looks at him and says, I think God can definitely forgive you, but I don't know if I can. And that's kind of how I felt for many years. You know, I never said that. I, I wouldn't say that I was like, yeah, I'm not forgiving you, dad. I just think I, I didn't ever think that I could get to a point where I could move on, if you will, yeah. from all the pain, a lot of pain, not just to me, but I'm, even to my wife and daughter. Um, I mean, we had to teach my daughter not to answer the phone at four or five years old, which every three or four or five-year-old loves to answer the phone, right? Let me go get that, daddy. Sometimes it would be my dad calling drunk, and I had to teach her if she sees Joseph Romano on the phone caller ID, don't answer it. So it got that bad, and that's affecting, you know, this relationship that I'm trying to cultivate and develop with my daughter, right? Mm. And so I had a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger towards him, and when he went to his lowest point, for the first time in my life, I began to have empathy for my father. I never had that. It was always about what he had done to me, what he had done to my brothers, to my mom, to my grandparents, what he had done to them. 
And then I see him at his lowest point. I have a conversation with him where I, I hear his voice, but it just sounded dead and empty. Like he just did not sound like he wanted to live. I could see, you know, or feel this, this voice coming through the other end that just wasn't a person that wanted to live. And it was that moment when I told him, I verbally told him, dad, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. So I had this empathy for him. And then I said the words, I want you to know I forgive you and everything's going to be okay. And I don't know why I said that, Matthew. Um, you know, I had spent time with my, my pastor a little bit talking about this, but I didn't, I didn't seek a lot of counseling or anything. And maybe I should have. When I was younger, I did with my mom and being a teenager, she took us to a lot of therapy as family therapy, you know, sessions. But I think it was just that moment when I finally had empathy. And I think when we have empathy for people, that's what's missing, first of all, in society, but it's a, it's kind of a game changer. It doesn't mean at that moment that I knew that, A, I had truly forgiven my father. It was really just the beginning of what's been a 10-year process of working through forgiveness. But it also allowed me to say, okay, even though my dad may not get better, even though my dad and I may not ever have a relationship again together, God has called me to forgive my father because he calls all of us to forgive. That's the hardest part, right? It's the hardest thing to give away, right? That's the line in your song, and it really mm -hmm. is. But Jesus does not sugarcoat forgiveness. When you really dive into scripture and you see, he says, listen, forgive as my father has forgiven you. If you do not forgive, my father in heaven will not forgive you. Wow. That's pretty harsh, but that's real. And I think the reason Jesus says that is because he understands how it really does lead to true freedom. Like we cannot have this relationship, this personal relationship with Jesus unless we're living a life of forgiveness. And, you know, the great, I think, misnomer on forgiveness, Matthew, is that so many people think if you forgive that you're letting the other person off the hook. And mm. it's actually the other way around. When you forgive, it's not about the other person. It's for yourself. That's good. We're the ones that are stuck. You know, you talk about that in your song. And I say, I keep bringing up your song because your song had a lot to do with why I wrote Live to Forgive because wow. I resonated so well with the idea of being bitter, being angry, but then being free and understanding that, wow, there's this true freedom that I can live out my life now the way Jesus wants me to yeah. by saying, you know what, Dad, I forgive you and I'm going to live that life of forgiveness, not just say it. The prisoner that it really freezes you. <laughs> Engage in God's word with your kids this summer at the pool, the campfire, or the beach with Talk About, the new family discipleship subscription from Awana. With Talk About, time in the Bible with your children is simple, fun, engaging, and always gospel-centered. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. For just $5.99 per month, you're gonna receive an email each week containing your Talk About bundle, including guided conversations through selected scripture passages that allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. Also, you're gonna receive fun, hands-on activities that take the guesswork out of child discipleship as kids color, create, sing, and share they will remember what they've learned throughout the week. 
Also, helpful references, videos, and insights that provide parents and caregivers with the deeper levels of biblical knowledge to help deepen your family's understanding of God's Word each week. This is not just for the kids, guys. This is for the parents as well. Bring the gospel home and help your kids Form lasting faith one conversation at a time with Talk About. Try one month of Talk About for free with special promo code WEST. I wonder where they got that one. Start today at talkaboutdiscipleship.com. Use the code WEST at talkaboutdiscipleship.com. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys, have you ever read the book, The Five Love? languages it's like a book about marriage and it kind of helps you learn like your spouse's like love language right but there's five and i've always thought there were six because one of my love languages is food (laughs) that's why i want to tell you about every plate you want to save on your grocery bill Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's best value meal kit for delicious dinners that don't break the bank. At first, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, but it turns out every plate is actually more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned, so they help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like that bag of spinach that you throw out every week? We have good intentions, friends, but it happens. Skip the store, let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. We're kind of in a recession, guys, if you hadn't noticed. So I know you're trying to save money. The West family is as well. And besides, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking in the kitchen. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in around 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes and they change each week. So you're never gonna get bored with the same thing. You can swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch it up. And uh, it's never gonna be boring, you know what I mean? Life's too short for boring dinner and I get sick of eating the same things over and over. Luckily, every plate keeps my taste buds happy and it's gonna do the same for you. I've become a huge fan of every plate. And uh, by the way, it is uh, saving money, all right? That's one of the biggest things that I love about every plate. It's uh, way cheaper than the other meal kits. And that's one of the things that sets every plate apart. Now, here's what you gotta do. Try every plate right now for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WEST179. Did you hear me? $1.79 per meal. I don't know how you can beat that. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code WEST179. All right. Do you want extras like vanilla delight cheesecake, sweet kale salad, garlic bread, protein bundles, all the good stuff? Go now to everyplate.com all right one more time it's everyplate.com enter the code west 179 that's an up to a 104 dollar value go check it out today you won't be disappointed Hiring right now is so difficult. No one is more committed to helping businesses than Indeed. That's why they're giving away $50 million in Indeed-sponsored job credits to help businesses like yours hire great people fast. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed 
Data US. I am running a small business and it's not so small anymore and it keeps growing and finding the right people to do the right job can be something that is so time consuming. And let's be honest, I don't have that time because I got to record this podcast. I need to write another song and that's why I need Indeed and so do you. I want to encourage you to check it out. Indeed saves you headaches. You can interview virtually with no downloads, plugins, or purchases. You can do it all in one place with Indeed. Listen to this. Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. It's working for them and it'll work for you. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit toward your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash West to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash West. That's Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. You talk about um, the word empathy, and as you're as you're talking, I, I can't help but think it's like if forgiveness is a, a, a you know a recipe, like one of the one of the key ingredients that you can't have. Uh, it's like cookies without sugar. I gotta have some. You know what I mean? But like. You got to have empathy because empathy is the is the understanding that the person who's harmed you and hurt you they're coming from a story of pain themselves, right? And having a greater sensitivity and understanding that everybody's got their own story with broken chapters and and you talk about how that's missing in our world right now. I'm guessing you're talking about the divide that we see in our world, the the anger and hatred towards these other on social media. But I'm also willing to bet like so many people listening to this right now are hearing your story, but they're thinking about theirs. Somebody who's deeply wounded them. Maybe maybe a parent like your story. That's why one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you, not just about sports, but, but this today, because I, I feel like it's so important for us to hear the honest vulnerable, true stories of each other's lives because somebody out there can go, okay, I'm not the only one. Okay, here's somebody, here's Jason, who's maybe a little further down the road than somebody who's listening to this right now. And they're trying to navigate this path of where they want to feel anything but empathy and they want to offer anything but forgiveness. What would you say to somebody who's listening to right now going, yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm too hurt. The wound is too deep. It's too fresh. I can't get past what this person did to me. What do, what do you say? First of all, I'd say I hear you and I, and I completely understand, you know, what you're going through because I was there. I went through it. And honestly, I don't know if I would have gotten to a point to be able to forgive. I hope I would have if my father hadn't reached his lowest point. If my father just had continued in his sort of roller coaster spiral cycle, I don't know if I would have been able to forgive because it was just it would have just been continuing, but he hit his lowest right. point. And I think for me, it just allowed me to kind of see my dad uh, in a way that God sees him. That to me was the game changer, Matthew, was, you know, God doesn't look at my dad and then look at me and say, Jason, I'm putting you real, real high up here on the pedestal and I'm putting your dad real low because of all the stuff he's went through. That's not how God sees us. He loves each of us equally. And 
what I would say to somebody who's going through that, first of all, is, again, I understand you. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ and you're going through this, I'll start with that. Search the scriptures, really pray, and remember that forgiveness is, what is it? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're the one that's hurting the most on this, and it's only going to keep you from being able to live your best life that God has called you to live. But I understand that the pain is real. The wounds are deep. And feel that pain, right? Go through that. Don't try to store it away like a box in the attic and, and just say, okay, I'm putting it away and I never want to address it. You got to pull the box out. You got to open it up inside and see what's in there. And I think once we get to that point, that's when I think some really great things can happen. I'd also say talk to some people, especially if you go to a church, talk to your pastor, talk to some leaders or some friends that uh, that are going through. Because Matthew, you know this probably with the song, I've seen this with my book. Everyone has struggled with forgiveness at some point in their life. Everyone. It's 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 a common thread. It's an unfortunate common thread, but everyone's gone through it. So you're not going to find someone that says, I don't understand what you're going through here. Sorry. And I think that's why it's important to talk about it. I can't recommend your book highly enough. It's, it's available everywhere, right? Amazon. Or do you like to point people to one specific place to find this book? Amazon's probably forgive? the best. I mean, it's on my website as well, but my, Amazon's probably the best and easiest way. But I mean, if you're looking for a roadmap and you want to learn from somebody who, you know, put his trust in God and walked some difficult footsteps to discover empathy, which then led to forgiveness... Um, this is a book to read and a good roadmap to read. And I love that you're pointing to that reminder. Like, man, we love to make gods of ourselves. I mean, you talked about it earlier at the beginning, like that Larry Bird was a god, right, for you. But like, uh, so was everybody else in Boston said the same thing, right? But, but you know, you think about it, it's like we, in this life, we make ourselves gods, right? And then moments like this, what you just said, every single one of us has a hard time forgiving somebody and it's like when you start to look at how we really live our lives man you start to realize there is one god and i ain't it these people matthew matt chandler the pastor said you know humans make terrible gods and he's right <laughs> yeah but why do we keep pursuing that you know what i mean it's just it's the craziest thing and i think about it too is whenever i think about somebody's shortfall somebody making a royal mistake or whatever and i was talking to somebody on the phone the other day and I was thinking about it was somebody who committed a horrible crime and it was the type of crime where I'm like in my human mind it's like well that's where I draw the line like in my mind I want to believe that sin is sin and God sees us all as his beloved children but there's a point where my in my flesh and in my mind I go that's why he's God and I'm not because this is where I would say there's a special place in hell for that right if I'm being honest and uh, it's so it, it really is beyond comprehension that God sees us all. Your dad, you, me, the person who's wronged me, the person I've wronged. Like, he sees us all. The, the guy on death row is loved by the same God who loves Jason Romano and Matthew West. And, I mean, that's that's almost too, you know, I, I scarce can take it in to take the word of a, a him, right? <laughs> it's hard to really process that when you think about it. But at the same time- but we need to process it. That's why I love this conversation because I'm being reminded going, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes. And every day, that's why, who am I to not forgive someone that's wronged me right. when I'm the one that wrongs God every single day with something stupid, right. something silly. Right. And right. so, and God forgives me, right? He offers that 
every single time I say, God, I'm an idiot. Please, you know, forgive me today of what I've said yeah. or done or thought about. And then what am, who am I to not turn around and give that back to someone else? I mean, that's in the Lord's prayer, you know? Yeah. Forgive us our so, trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against yeah. us. <laughs> so. so let us ever be mindful of, of our humanity, of our shortcomings, of our failures, and the awareness of our own sin, the awareness of our own shortcomings can be a step towards empathy for others. Yes. And that's the reason and why I wrote the book, you know, only because I'm sure this is a lot of the reasons why you wrote, write your songs too. It was really just to help one person because I, I didn't want to write a book. It's not my, I was, I'm a sports guy. I'm a producer. That's what I did. That's what I do. Uh, you know, I love what I get to do at sports spectrum now, sports and faith, but I'm not really a, a author or a writer. That's not my goal. Or that wasn't my desire in life. But when I shared this story one time in 2016 and somebody heard it, they said, you know, yeah. you, if you go deep into this, it might help a lot of people. Yes. And I don't know how, I mean, I'm still not sure I know how to write a book, but we wrote it and in writing it and releasing it and people reading it, it's helping more than one person. And that's really all my desire was to ever put this out there. I'm not going to be a New York Times bestselling author or anything, maybe someday, who knows, but my desire was not for that. It was just to share my story and maybe for somebody to see my story and it can help them and ultimately point to Christ. I heard this clip from, you know, the wealthy investor guy named Gary V. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. But he, he made this comment. A lot of times he's really like kind of brash and swearing, kind of a little aggressive, right? This clip popped up on my feed and he was actually encouraging the audience he was speaking to. He's like, look, so many people are pursuing all these things they want to do. And it's all about what they can get out of it. Like they're doing, they're coming up with these ideas or concepts or businesses. And it's all to try to get more followers and more customers. And he's like, when you start to think, how can I help people? He was talking from a business perspective. How can I serve others? That's when you're going to like, and it has to be a genuine desire to do that. And, you know, like, so with this podcast, it's like, I don't want this podcast so that I can celebrate I have a podcast. I got other things to do. I'm doing this in the hopes that somebody's being ministered to right now. And you found redemption from a broken part of your story. And then God started tugging at your heart that, hey, it's time to share that story because it's going to help somebody. And guess what? Imagine that. It does, and it did, and it continues to, because God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I, I think it's so cool that you left a 17-year career at ESPN to then take a step of faith, get into ministry, and now your world of sports and your faith and your journey of forgiveness, somehow they're all rolled into this really unique ministry that is the ministry of Jason Romano. You talked about your journey of faith, your journey to forgiveness, I should say. You said you didn't become a Christian until 27. I'm sure you've listened to every episode of this podcast. Most you of them, not everyone, week, right? but forgive me, I haven't listened to everyone, Matthew, but I was actually listening to the one with you and Bob Goff this morning, so there you go. Yes, yeah. well, you might know then that I ask every guest their blue couch story, you know, the moment where your, your faith became real to me. I love the story you've shared up to this point, but what was it, that moment that really made you kind of hit your knees, maybe physically or metaphorically, and and cry out to Jesus. Yeah, can I give you two moments? Because the first moment Please. will lead into the second moment. So 27 years old, take you back to Mother's Day, 2001. And I'm a kid who grew up going to a you know church, but not really knowing who God was. It was just kind of 
checking the box and doing what my mom or my grandfather wanted me to do in order to you know, be able to go do something else. Go to church and we'll take you here. Go to church and we'll take you there. And in 2001, my brother Chris, who was the first in our family to really begin a relationship with the Lord, uh, and he's my hero to this day. He's a pastor and the smartest guy I know and, and loves the Lord with uh, you know, a reckless abandon in many ways. It's wonderful to watch. He invited me to his church. And uh, after the church service and I heard the message, and it was a little weird for me, a little different type of church. You had worship music and you know, a pastor preaching for 40 minutes and people clapping and standing. It was, it was different than what I was used to growing up, more of a somber kind of quiet church setting. But afterwards, my brother brought me to the back bedroom of his house. And this is sort of blue couch moment number one, where he said, Jason, what did you think of the message? And I said, I was okay, Chris. I don't know. I don't really understand, you know, what happened, but it wasn't that bad. And he said, well, can I share with you about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And we sat on the back bedroom, you know, in his house. And for 15 minutes or so, he shared with me the gospel. And then he asked me, do you want this for your life? Now, Matthew, I I don't know if I died that night that I would have gone to heaven. I honestly don't know because I'm not sure what I was saying yes to. I just know my heart was open to say yes. Mm. So I said, yeah, Chris, I think I want this. And so I prayed a prayer with him that I couldn't even tell you what I prayed. I I presume it was the sinner's prayer, but I don't remember uh, exactly what I prayed, just that that was the starting point. But I also know my heart at that time was kind of desperate because I told you the story, my wife and I walked through four years of infertility. And this was year one and a half at this point when I started to say yes to Jesus. And I know that part of me was saying yes to God as sort of being that genie in a bottle that would be able to, well, if I get, why not try God? And then maybe he'll give us the child that we've been so desiring for so many years. Obviously, that's that's not proper <laughs> theology, if yeah, you will. Yeah. But that's where my mind was. Now, thankfully, I said yes, and I began this relationship. And over the next year or two, I started to grow in my relationship with the Lord, even while we still weren't getting pregnant. And my wife and I were going into doctor's offices and seeing people and trying to figure out what the problem was, and nobody could figure it out. I got baptized a year later. But here's the blue couch moment for me. The time when I really felt Jesus was real, Right was in September of 2003, when I'm the one who gets the call from the doctor's office after our third treatment of my wife trying to get pregnant. And the doctor, the nurse calls and said, Jason, is your wife there? I'm like, no, she's actually at work. You know, I was home getting ready to go to work. I had a late shift that day at ESPN. And I get the call and the nurse says, well, we have some good news. Congratulations, your wife is pregnant. So I Hmm. sat on this for a minute and I hung up the phone and I, fell on my knees, bawling like a little boy and just in tears, so thankful to God, this new God that I had just started following a couple years earlier, that he had granted us, if you will, the desires of our heart. Now, I needed those two years after I said yes to really grow in a relationship with him and and be okay if he didn't, if you will, answer my prayer of becoming a dad. But it was at that moment, Matthew, I still to this day, I don't know, and this is 19 years ago now, if I've ever truly felt the Holy Spirit come over me in that way where I wept so hard when we found out my daughter was pregnant. Now, then I had to call my wife <laughs> and say, again, honey, guess what? You're pregnant. And she's like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, I just got the call. And then she's at work and said, you know, I'll come home and let's let's celebrate. But then you get nine months of uncertainty. And thankfully, 
in June of 2004, Sarah was born. But that's the blue couch moment for me. It really starts in Mother's Day of 01, but I feel like it came to a culmination in September of 03 when I found out Sarah was coming. So That's incredible. And now I guess we're ending where we began talking about Sarah's off to college. college. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we're going to make ourselves cry after all, aren't we? Isn't your daughter, she's 16, right? I think I heard. Yeah, she's 16. So you're so. almost there. Are you not yeah. trying to think about that? <laughs> I, I, exactly. I'm trying not to think about that. Because <laughs> I was there two years ago and thinking, oh, we got two years, plenty of time. And here we are. And well, uh, it's going to be a I new season, right? Somebody put it in perspective for me of like, in not just 18 years, but like 18 summers. And there's something about the season of it that really like wrecked me in in the maybe the best way because it you know we want to be a, I want to be awake to the with the trouble of time like that I can't make it stop you know what I mean <laughs> I'm taking my oldest on a special daddy daughter camp this summer just trying to do things like that just to make up but at the same time you know every stage of their life is so beautiful because now it's like going and hanging out it's like i'm talking to an adult i'm talking to a a best friend yeah you become just, friends and, and yeah. sort of mentors more than you become caretakers and you know disciplinarians yeah. it's a That's different right. stage of life but it's, it's exciting but you know the other side of this that a lot of people don't talk about is the marriage side so my mm. wife and i are now going to be empty nesters and i joke and say my wife and i have to remember what it's like to be married without kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my wife, and obviously we have a great relationship, but this is going to be a new stage of life for us. You love each other, and but now you get to figure out if you like each other. <laughs> I hope kidding. she still likes me. We'll find out pretty quickly, right? <laughs> These last couple of years through the pandemic, though, I think have really reminded me of that as well. Like, just I want to keep dating my wife, and you know, we've started finding different things that are just exclusive to the two of us. You know, whether it's a special place that we go for our walks and. The conversations that we have together because you're exactly right like the house is going to be quiet at some point and uh well not in my house because i've got this new dog well i got him at, this is our first year with this new dog and that dog they're like another child mean, right Dogs i mean are. it's insane his name's rocky and he just barks like crazy but uh, i'm surprised actually that he hasn't invaded our our interview today but i'm glad he hasn't because this has been so great talking to you thanks buddy uh the book is called live to forgive you've also got a book called the uniform of leadership which we hadn't really gotten to talk about but it's a collection of compelling inspiring and often funny stories that challenges readers to ask themselves the hard questions and draws them into introspection which is awesome you've got stories uh oh so it's about uh cultivating the habits of service and excellence in themselves and you're talking to people like tony dungy daryl strawberry will ferrell yeah these are stories from my time at espn so all the different people That's i've interacted awesome. with yeah it's a lot of fun will ferrell's one of my favorites will ferrell i had a day with will ferrell at espn imagine that <laughs> did he take his shirt off he did not take his shirt off thankfully i but swear like that's one of his main comedic tricks is like he's always seems to have his shirt off and stuff like and he just is so funny do you remember the basketball movie he made um it's yes, terrible semi-pro semi-pro terrible movie but he was, his name was jackie moon yes jackie moon so he was there promoting that movie and he was in his full like harlem globetrotter yeah outfit with the shortest shorts yes thankfully he didn't take his shirt off but he was doing a bunch of interviews but it was what was fascinating for like will ferrell was on you know, when the camera wasn't turned on, what was he like? And he was just like a quiet guy who was 
you know, not trying to be funny. He was just a nice guy. But then he came to life. Yeah, and then when the camera turns on and he just goes into this comedic Will Ferrell mode that everybody sees and knows, and it's just incredible to watch. It was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never thought I would see a book called The Uniform of Leadership and then be reading about Will Ferrell. Uh, but, I, but I like it. I think that's cool. So both of those books are available everywhere people would be buying books, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, everywhere. Sorry. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. Well, Jason, thanks for giving us all the feels today. We've talked, I think we covered all the Fs except for football. We covered faith, fatherhood, forgiveness. And uh, real quick on our way out, who's your uh, who's your football team? So I love the Dallas Cowboys. Um, okay, this this interview's over. Yeah, I figured it would. That's why we waited till the end. Um, yeah. I, I've been a Cowboys fan since I was seven, so 1980. Uh, they haven't won anything in 27 years. So if you- Who's counting? Right, who's counting? But if you're a Cowboys fan today, it's impossible to be a bandwagon Cowboys fan when you haven't won anything in 27 years. You haven't even gotten to yeah. a conference championship game in 27 years, Matthew. But yeah. that's my team. I'm sticking with them. Uh, yeah, I take a lot of grief for it, but it is what it is. My dad's a Giants fan, so you can imagine that didn't help the <laughs> that didn't help the, uh, the the friction in the in the uh, relationship with my father, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I I chose the Cowboys, and I'm I'm still a Cowboys fan, suffering, we'll say uh, today. What you basically did was you just highlighted once again how none of us are perfect, and you, <laughs> my friend, I'm in need of a savior, my friend. You have many flaws. <laughs> Jason, I appreciate you coming on. It's long overdue, and uh, love to have you come back again sometime. Absolutely, Matthew. Hopefully, we can do it in person at the uh, the Story House sometime. That'd be pretty. Let's neat. do that. Come to Nashville. Yes, I'm in. Bring that Emmy. Hey, now it's time for songs from the story house. I bet you could tell based on the conversation that I just had with Jason and the theme of forgiveness. And the, he actually mentioned that song several times. So, you know, I got to shine a light on this song today. And uh, this song was inspired. I featured this song at different episodes, I think once before on the podcast, but I, I got to do it today. And I, I just want to encourage you, just let these words wash over you. If you're dealing with some bitterness in your life, if you know you need to let go of a grudge, or if you're praying that somebody will forgive you, listen, uh, at any point in time in our lives, we're on either side of that coin, right? And here's where we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness and thank God that he doesn't withhold it from us. So Lord, help us not to withhold it from others, amen? Let this song wash over you today, inspired by the powerful story of a single mom whose daughter was killed by a drunk driver. Somehow, some way, God brought her out of the pits of despair and bitterness and anger and led her to forgive the young man who committed that crime. And to this day, they travel and they share about the dangers of drunk driving and the power of forgiveness. I've seen it with my own eyes and it's a powerful thing to behold. It's a reminder that the prisoner that it really frees is you. Yep, that's where I got that line from because her forgiveness literally set a prisoner free. Let this speak to your heart today. This is Forgiveness. The hardest thing to give away And the last thing on your mind today It always goes to those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they cause is just too real Taste everything you have to say the word Forgiveness In the face 
of all your pride It moves away the mad inside It's always anger's own worst enemy Even when the jury and the judge Say you got a right to hold a grudge It's the whisper in your ear Saying set it free Forgiveness He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why the last segment of every episode is called Dad Advice. Play that music. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, thanks for joining me. As always, we've been on a series called Me On Your Mind. That's the theme of my uh, latest song on the radio, the reminder, uh, just kind of the amazement and the awe. Who am I that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart? Throughout scripture, when you begin to read your Bible, you start to notice that God's trying to show us like, I have you on my mind. I'm thinking of you. You matter to me. I love you. I have plans for you. Let my word speak to you. So let's dive into a scripture that's going to remind us once again of that powerful truth. All right, we're going to look at Psalm 139, 17, and 18, and we're going to talk about more than the sand. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is their sum! If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand, and when I awake, I am still with you. Did you hear that? How precious are the thoughts of God that they are outnumber the grains of sand. When you hear that, Matthew, what do you think of? And I think you think of your favorite place, one of your favorite places. Yeah, I mean, taking the girls to the beach, you know, that's always been kind of a favorite West family pastime and uh, specifically early morning walks with my daughter Lulu on the beach and collecting seashells for sure. Say, let's look at three things about God's thoughts toward us. One, the word unfathomable. God is thinking of you. His thoughts of you are precious. Precious means greatly loved or treasured. You are on his mind because you are precious to him. He loves you. You are his treasure. God is thinking of you and me today. That's something to rejoice. If you're going through a hard time, just think of that. God is thinking of you. His thoughts of you are precious. Two, uncountable. The times that he is thinking of you cannot be counted. There is never a time that you are not on his mind. Grains of sand are impossible to count. One source said that there are approximately 80 to 100,000 grains of sand in a heaping teaspoon, but they can never be accurately counted because of the different types of sand in various locations throughout the world. Uncountable. 
accountable. His thoughts of you are more than grains of sand. Thirdly, undivided attention. There are six billion in the world, and yet you have his undivided attention. You have 24-7 access. Look up Matthew 10, 29 through 31. It talks about two sparrows, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Listen to this. Every day God thinks of you. Every hour God looks after you. Every minute God cares for you because every second he loves you. Come on. That's Come on, good. That'll preach. That'll do it. That'll preach. Come on. Thanks, Dad. Say amen, everybody. Amen. All right, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Jason Romano. I told you that was a powerful story, and uh, I was right, wasn't I? So thanks to Jason for sharing openly, sharing honestly. What a great and, and wonderful and much-needed reminder about the power of forgiveness and who it really sets free. So be sure to check out his latest book. Well, Live to Forgive is his latest book, and then, of course, the book on leadership. But wherever you buy books, we're going to post links at the official podcast page, which is matthewest.com slash podcast. Duh. Uh, one last reminder, the Ryman Auditorium, August 21st, special guests, myself as well, of course, and it's my first ever show at the Ryman Auditorium, a night of worship at the Mother Church. I hope you'll join me. Tickets are available at matthewwest.com. Last but not least, uh, I know you love my dad. I love him too. And uh, if you need prayer, if you would like to share your story, if you'd like to receive a weekly email devotional, did you know these are all things that you can do at our ministry's website, which is PopWe, P-O-P-W-E. Just remember, Pop West, that's my dad, Pop We, all right? That's our ministry, and we want you to know that you're not alone. Go to popwe.org today. Thanks to all of our new monthly uh, financial supporters who've joined up. We have like 80 new monthly supporters as well, so got to give a shout out there. So if you want to uh, pay it forward because our ministry is ministered to you, you can do that at PopWe. But if you just need some resources to help encourage you, go to popwe.org today. We want you to know we love you. We want you to know there's power in your story. And on that note, remember, it's your story for his glory. Love you guys. Thanks for joining me every week. And I'll see you again next week. Seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>